0: We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at Lordstember.org. We are so grateful for your support. So before we dive into what Scripture wants to say to us today, I first want to talk a little bit about just a couple of really cool historical details surrounding our feast today. So our gospel about the Epiphany is in Matthew chapter 2, and at the beginning of our gospel today, St. Matthew tells us that this happened in the days of King Herod. Now Herod, sometimes people, I think we get the idea that the Bible is just its own world and has nothing to do with with the real world. Herod's one of the most well-documented figures of the first century Roman world. Herod the Great is the greatest builder of his time. He he built so many things. He, he He was the great builder of the first century. So Matthew tells us Jesus is born in the days of King Herod. We know that King Herod died in what we call the year 4 AD, which is a great benchmark. It helps us date the birth of Christ. Now, here's a cool thing is that in the ancient world, people counted time according to kingdoms. When a kingdom started, they would start time with the beginning of that. And they would say, now we're in the year 137. And they would count that from the start of a kingdom. We as Christians are in the year 2019. Can you believe that? That's so crazy. We're in the future. Um, We're in 2019 because we number time from the start of the real kingdom, the moment Christ became man and brought the kingdom of God to earth. That's how we count time. It's a very cool thing there. Secondly, today with the magi, right, we, we kind of think, who are these magi? Where do they come from? Uh, the, the Greek word is um, magoi. It's where we get the word magic, actually. But We wonder, is this just made up? Well, we we know in the ancient world, the Magi were associated with Babylon, Babylon and Persia. And if you know your biblical history, you know that the Jews were exiled to Babylon in the year 587 B.C. And they lived in Babylon, and they were in exile there. Now, we also know, we have historical documentation that leading up to the time of Christ, The Magi, and what the Magi were, they were astrologers and priests, and they were a caste in Babylon and Persia that advised the king. And we have documentation that they were very interested in what the stars were saying about what they called the Westland, which we know is Palestine, it's Israel. Fascinating. Very cool stuff. Now, why would they care about that? Well, the Jews are in exile in Babylon, right, prior to the time of Christ. And one of the most important books that Jesus quotes all the time is the book of Daniel. Daniel was a brilliant young Jewish man that had the spirit of God in him. And we're told in the book of Daniel that the king takes him and places him among all of his advisors and the Daniel is the wisest of all of them. The king's advisors are that priestly class that St. Matthew calls the magi. Fascinating. Okay, I want to talk about music. obviously. So if you go on a long road trip, right if you go on a long road trip, we all know there's two really important questions you got to duke out with whoever you're going with. The first one is, who's driving, right? Uh, I am a really aggressive driver. If I cut you off on the highway, sorry, not sorry, right? (laughs) I'm one of those people, I think slow drivers are worse than like aggressive drivers. I'm like, I just am that way to deal with it, I guess. But you got to duke that out, and the second thing you got to duke out is, who's controlling music, right? It's a big deal. So my priesthood community, when we go on trips, and if it's a long road trip, there's there's kind of a passive-aggressive battle royale that happens for who's going to control music. So in the companions, so Father Joseph, he loves kind of like modern pop stuff that makes me think of what teenage girls like, right? (laughs) Father Matt book is bipolar. If Father Matt has control of the music, we're either going to hear a medieval chant, or I kid you not, German death metal. One of the two, and you know it's coming. You're like, here we go. <laughs> What's it going to be? Father Brady doesn't like music. Interesting. He actually literally, we looked at his iPod one time, back in the days of iPods, and he, uh, all he had on there was, you know when you go to Starbucks and they had like the free song of the month? That was the only music he had on there. We are like, you are so lame. <laughs> Father Jason, who's a good friend of mine, he actually still listens to Tupac, still living the dream, and we could go on and on. I'm trying to think who else is there. Father Michael O'Loughlin, he is like Mr. Cool, and I don't even, like, I'm like, is this music? I have no idea. Father Mike Rapp. Now, if you've gotten to know Father Mike here in Lords, Father Mike does not like being predictable. He hates it when you think you understand him, hates it. So he's getting a doctorate from the toughest biblical school in the entire world, really respectable, really honorable priest, and you think you've got him pegged, so he grows a rat tail, <laughs> right? That's, that's Father Mike. He traditionally likes kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers punk type music, but we kind of had him pegged. And so we're at the rectory, and now he's listening to country music. And I'm like, I like country, but I'm like, who are you? Like, I don't even know you. And then finally, I am the perfect blend, right? Like, I am what all of them should listen to. So one more story. Actually, my kind of music, I like, like, late 90s, early 2000s, kind of singer-songwriter. Like, right now, I like Gregory Allen, Isaacov a lot, that kind of thing. One time, so Father Nathan Goble and I were in a car together, and he, he can't handle my music. He gets so sick of it. And so he, um, he tried to start a rule that you got three vetoes for anyone who had control of the music, right? The guy picks a song, you get three vetoes. Um, and we kind of got in a fight about it. So he went on his podcast, which is either the first or second biggest Catholic podcast on the internet, and he told everyone on his podcast, tens of thousands of people, that all I listen to is the Indigo Girls, (laughs) which is not true, (laughs) all right? They've got a couple good songs, right? you got to like a couple of their songs. Okay, what does this have to do with anything? Today's feast is all about this. When you have music, right, the big thing in our time is that music is pure preference, which is another homily. But we don't think that we can come to an agreement. And so now today, right, you drive and you'll see on the highway families where everyone has their own music. All the kids have their headphones in. Everyone lives in their own world. So it's a great symbol of individualism. And the question for today, the question the church asks, and the mystery, the glory, the profound good news of today is that the church believes there is a truth that is big enough for everyone. And, brothers and sisters, this is at the heart, the very heart of what it means to be a Catholic. The very heart. Our world today doesn't believe that there is a truth big enough for everyone. That's the definition of postmodernism. Postmodernism believes there's your truth, there's my truth, but there is no such thing as our truth. And Christianity dares to say there is a truth, there is a person where everyone finds a home everyone. And there doesn't have to be your music and my music, but there is a song that belongs to God and therefore belongs to all of us. That's what epiphany is. It's so powerful. Balthazar says this. He has the best image. And I've shared this with you before, but but open your hearts to this. Balthazar says it's like a symphony. And if you go to a symphony, right, and if, if you have the violins want to play one thing, right, they want to play Mozart, and the cellists want to play Bach, and the pianist, pianist wants to play Chopin, right, and they have these conflicting, and they're all good, right, and you look at the cultures across the world, and they say, you Catholics, you're so arrogant, because you just want to play Bach, and you say you know Everything. But Vivaldi is really good. And Chopin and Beethoven, there's all these composers, and you are just so arrogant because you want to impose on others. Here's what Balthazar says. He says that world history, all these different cultures are good. Right? People today are saying that Christianity was just a European thing. But what about the Chinese and what about the Peruvians? Right? What about all the different world cultures? Isn't it arrogant for us as Christians to say that this is the truth? Not a truth, but the truth. And Balthazar says all those cultures are like the members of an orchestra. They're all good. They all have profoundly beautiful things within them. But what they lack is a conductor. And Jesus Christ is the conductor of history. And when he steps to the podium, that symphony does not belong to any one person, it's a place where all the nations find their home. I think that is one of the most beautiful analogies that exists. Right, So if someone comes from Africa or China or France or South America or wherever they might come from, all of them, all the cultures of the world belong to the one conductor of history. When the, early, the earliest Christians, when they reflected on this truth that all of us belong together, our responsorial psalm today, Psalm 72, Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. When the early church reflected on this, they had a name for the mystery that everyone was called to one family in Christ. That mystery, the name they gave to it, is Catholicism, right? The word Catholic means universal, and this is essential to what you and I believe, brothers and sisters, we believe not and I don't own Catholicism, right? It sounds so arrogant, doesn't it? It can sound if you said this to someone who's not a Catholic, it just feels like you just think you're better than me. But here's the thing: the Catholic Church is not mine. It's his. Right It belongs to Jesus. And right now our church has a lot of problems but we never believed it belonged to everyone because priests and bishops would be good. We believed that the Catholic Church was the home of all people because it was the one church of the Son of God. And if we can't have that, right, the question you end up with is, can there be a unity? Can there really be unity among peoples is there such a thing as humanity, or is there just a bunch of people like ships passing in the night? If you're really a Catholic, you dare to say there is a truth and there is a person that is big enough for all of us. Isn't that so beautiful? I love that. The magi today, right the magi are seekers. And here's the thing, that's supposed to be an image of us. The Magi are looking for something. They're they're searching, and man is a seeker. And if you're alive, brothers and sisters, if you're living the kind of life you're supposed to live, you have to be a seeker. right, different points in your life, you're more in tune with this, and you realize, you ask yourself the question, you say, is there more than this, right, you, you get good grades when you're a kid, you try to, right, and, and you say, okay, well, that was great, is there more than this, they say, well, th- that's so you can get a good job, okay, you go and you get a good job, and you say, well, gosh, this is, this is great, but is, is there more, my heart longs for more than this. And so you you fall in love and you get married, right? And you love your spouse and it's amazing. But after three years, you say, isn't there more than this? And you have kids and your children are amazing and they're miracles from God. And you do everything you can to raise them, right? But you say, isn't there more? My heart and my soul thirst for something more. God made you that way. He made you a seeker. He made every one of us to seek after Him. Now, in some ways, the problem in the modern world is that we convince ourselves we don't have to seek. And we numb that question in our hearts. We don't, it's hard to seek, it's hard to say, I want more out of life. Right? It makes you uncomfortable. And so what do we do? We, we, have, we live in a crowd. We turn up the volume. We entertain and distract ourselves. And we numb that sense in our hearts that we want something more, and so we stop looking. So brothers and sisters, one first question for you specifically today. Are you a seeker? Do you know that you are not God, that you don't have the fullness of truth, but do you seek for it? I was telling the 845 Mass, I love hot tubs. I know some people think they're gross. I love them. I love hot tubs, right? And if you've had a lazy day and you just climb into the hot tub, it's, it's okay, it's pretty nice. But there's nothing like getting in the hot tub after you've skied all day. Right? If you've skied all day and you get in the hot tub, you're like, wow, if heaven's not a hot tub, I'm not going, right? It's amazing. And the point is, is that Certain things only really reach their full potential if you've worked for it. If you're not a seeker, if you're okay on your own, if your life makes perfect sense and you're just kind of going through life great, you'll never rejoice to find Jesus. In Matthew 2 today, St. Matthew says this, and he uses language he doesn't use. It says when the Magi, when they saw the star and they found the Christ, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. When was the last time you rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? You can you'll only do that. You will only do that if you're looking for something. Right? And I'm, I'm the happiest in my faith when I'm seeking. And the Lord speaks to me in His scriptures, in the liturgy, in the church's teachings, in prayer. And I find meaning and joy, because I know I've found the one who holds the answer. So powerful. The Magi are not Jews. And that's why we read this today. The Magi are from a different nation. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. Every nation. One last image is about this is the Pentecost. Right? The, the Pentecost is the birthday of the church. And at Pentecost in Acts, right, you have all these nations gathered on the Feast of Pentecost, and they all speak different languages, right? They're all different. You and I are different. But when the apostles speak through the Holy Spirit on the birthday of the church, everyone hears in their own language. There is one home for men and women on this earth, for every person, and it's the one church of Jesus Christ. Finally, I want to leave you with this today. We're so used to being competitive. We think that if someone else is right, I must be wrong. If we play Bach, we don't get to listen to Mozart. And you should listen to both. I'm judging you a little bit. But we think that we're in this competitive mindset. Herod thinks this today. He thinks if this young child is the king, the Messiah, that means I can't be king so he tries to kill Jesus. right? That's what, he, that's what Herod does. St. Bernard in a sermon says, if Herod had just gone with the Magi, not only would he have stayed king, he would have reigned forever in heaven with Christ. Because Jesus doesn't come to destroy us. He doesn't win us over by force of might. He wins us over with truth and love and mercy. And here's the final symbol of this today. And Isaiah 60 was our first reading. I have my marker in Psalm 72. Isaiah chapter 60. Talking to the Jews, it says, when the Messiah comes, right, then you shall see and you will be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. When the Magi find Christ, they rejoiced exceedingly With a great joy. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. This is why, this reading is why we have camels in our manger scenes. It's Isaiah chapter 60. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, that could be a great band name, the camels of Midian. The camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. And here's the key. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Jesus fulfills all the prophecies of the Old Testament, every single one of them. But he turns them upside down too. So Isaiah 60 prophesies The nations will come bringing gold and frankincense. But we all know the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, that this prophecy is that the Messiah will conquer all the nations. The Jews thought he would do that by force of might. But Jesus, Jesus did conquer the nations, but not by strength of might. He conquered it by dying for us. And the myrrh is the symbol of that. And no one knew he would do that. That's why it's not in Isaiah. But the third wise man brings myrrh. In John 19.39, we're told, I love this. We're told in John 19.39 that Nicodemus, when Jesus dies, he comes with myrrh to embalm him for his burial. And so the myrrh is brought at the very beginning of Jesus' life because all of us come to live, right? All of us just want to live. I am scared of death. I want a long life. I want a full life. Jesus came to die. And people knew that, right? The wise men probably didn't, but he knew that from the start, Brothers and sisters, I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic faith. I believe that the love of Christ and his teaching and his authority in the church is the, is the home for every person on earth. And when you and I seek, when we keep looking for God, when we purify ourselves of our sins the nations will find their home. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, and I want to keep seeking. I'm not there. Lord, make us here at Lord's, Jesus, make us seekers. Lord, help us to believe that your love, your redemption, your truth, your mercy, that all of that is for everyone. Lord, may my heart rejoice in seeking you, and may I rejoice all the more when I find you. Let us now stand.